Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our first reading from the gospel, well, from the book of Daniel. And you got to imagine that Daniel didn't expect this. He didn't go looking for this. He was all set to graduate from high school and had his heart set on serving in the government just as his, um, his parents, his relatives perhaps, others in the nobility. He had a full-ride scholarship to Jerusalem University, and then the Babylonians showed up. Not good. <laughs> really not good. And over the course of time, Daniel was in the first group carried off, along with the treasures of the temple. As if these foreigners were saying, you know what, if you think your God can help you, if you think your God can do anything, well, watch this. We're going to walk into his building, we're going to take all of his stuff, and there isn't even a statue of your God. Good luck. Daniel, he sounds, you know, rather academically advanced. Um, somebody who was rather precocious per, for his age, perhaps. Somebody who had his life together and in order. He was raised well, and he was exceptionally gifted, just like his three friends that we named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it's been 60 years. Daniel, who was carried off as probably a 16-, 17-year-old youth, he's been serving in the government for a long time now. 60 years, that's like three different uh, regime changes. We don't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have, um, have passed on at this point. And it was quite a while ago that Nebuchadnezzar had that statue and uh, fiery furnace and all that. But Daniel is still kind of a lightning rod for jealousy. The people that he works with are the grandchildren of those that he had first started working with. And the jealousy is still there. And they've been digging. <laughs> they've been trying to snoop his phone, hack his email, and say, what is going on? We've got to find some dirt on this guy. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody knows what he's done. We've got to find some dirt on him so we can get rid of him and finally be done. You know, he should have retired a long time ago. He is pushing 80 years old. But wouldn't it be great if we got rid of him? There's that question of vocation. That's kind of where we start. Vocation. That Daniel was just going about his everyday life with the gifts that God has given him, the time that God has given him, the abilities and resources that God has given to him. And he is seeking to do his best in whatever occupation he has. And whatever town or city or country or empire he happens to be part of. When he was carried off, he didn't say, you know what, lock me up or send me back. He asked, well, how can I serve God here? And so he did his best. Vocation. Daniel wasn't going around looking for, looking for trouble. But he was certainly, he was certainly serving and living as a Christian. The first calling that you had as well, yours happening back at that baptismal font. But Daniel, serving as a Christian, living as a believer, there in pagan Babylon, he did his best. Listening to the prophet Ezekiel, planting gardens, 
maybe starting a family, praying for the good of the city, praying. Three times a day, morning, noon, and night. Probably, you know, I would think of it at least um, after his morning coffee, before he goes out to work, and then during his lunch hour, and then again when he gets back home. Daniel is praying. He doesn't um, go along with all the rites and the rituals of state worship there in Babylon. And maybe that's his weak point. Kind of like if you're ever interviewed for a job or a scholarship or something like that, and they say, well, what's, what's, what's your weakest point? What is your fault? Oh, my fault is that I work too hard and I'm too friendly to people. That, you know, trying to turn a fault into a good thing. And they look at Daniel, they turn a good thing into a fault. You know what? That Daniel, that Daniel, he goes off and he prays, and he's always facing toward Jerusalem, toward that ruin of a temple, because he still has this faith in his God. That Daniel, maybe, maybe that's how we can get him. It's been like three generations, and wouldn't it be great to go home and tell Dad, tell Grandpa, you know that Daniel? We got him. What does confession look like? What does confession look like? You think, you know, our confession of sins at the beginning of the worship service, I believe that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We think of our confession of faith that we just stood up for. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Confession is really saying the truth. And for Daniel, it is part and parcel of who he is. There's no separation, no boxes on his mental shelf between my vocation is over here and my confession is over here. They are one and the same. And so when this law comes through, this unjust law that doesn't just allow for immorality, but commands it, pray to the king. Daniel doesn't say to himself, you know what, I've got the freedom to do what I want. I'll just, I'll just pray in my head, because you know you could pray anywhere, right? I'll just um, use the closet in my room instead of the window in my room. I'll just take a, a month off, you know. I've already been at church three times this month. What's, you know, one more? A few more days where I'm not taking the time. I want to make life easier, and I could get ahead on my work a little bit. And then, and then after this month is over... Then I'll have all this extra time to pray because I'll be so much further ahead on those projects at work. Confession, vocation. And maybe you can sympathize. The history of Reformation is really those two things put together. Confession, vocation. Looking at what our God commands in his law and saying, how can I serve God with my life? How can I put my Christian belief into practice in what I do? How can I pass this faith on to those I love? And Martin Luther had the same question as Daniel, the same question as you or I. Confession and vocation go hand in hand, but how do they go hand in hand today? For Martin Luther, the answer was, well, you practice the, the rites and the sacraments of the church, become a monk, and then maybe if you do that well enough, then you will finally feel at ease. Become a priest, and if you officiate at the Mass and you don't mess up the words, then you will finally feel justified, that is, righteous before God. And he goes on down the list, go through confession, and then you will have 
then you'll have the certainty of life with God, of righteousness. Vocation, <laughs> confession, and Christians today. How is it that, that you or I, we don't go looking for trouble, no doubt, at least, well, <laughs> sometimes we do, and some of us do, but we try not to go looking for too much trouble, at least any real trouble. But when it comes to those things where it's like, we should take a stand on this and we should talk about what it means to be a Christian in society today, vocation and confession go hand in hand. That you don't have to be driving down to Columbus in order to say, here's what we ought to do. This is part of my Christian confession. I want you to vote this particular way and I am protesting against that. Your vocation and your confession go hand in hand. That you can look at those that you love, look at those of your own household, look at those who are related to you, look at those who worship with you. How can we join together in confessing the truth, in saying the truth, not just, not just standing up to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty as our confession of faith, and not just standing up to say, I believe that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed as our confession of sin, but confession of vocation. As we live in this community together, a community that, yes, <laughs> is probably just as pagan as Daniel's Babylon, as we live in this community together, we have been called, vocation, to be Christians here. What does that look like? You could probably think about that one for a while, but it's so much easier. Just like Daniel, it would, it would be so much easier. You know what? I'm not going to pray in front of my church. I'm going to go like back in this corner because I know they're spying on me and they want to get me. It would be so much easier to say, well, not right now, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it another time. And, you know, that's kind of a touchy subject to try to explain to my kids as we're driving down and we see all the yard signs. I don't want to explain that to my kids because they're too young for this. Confession and vocation go hand in hand. So the real question, because that is part and parcel of our Christian life at every point since your baptism to today, that confession and vocation go hand in hand, and God have mercy on us for the times when we have hidden that vocation and neglected our confession. You see that the king said, well, Daniel has been sentenced to the lion's den. And the king looks through all the laws and he says, well, it can't be changed. It's written in these unchangeable laws because that's the way that our laws are written. And he thinks he, can, he has done everything that he can to free Daniel from this predicament. And then he commits Daniel to his confession. All right. The God that you serve, the God that you pray to, maybe, just maybe that God can save you and keep you safe. Maybe your God will have mercy. And there's Daniel, almost 80 years old, standing in front of lions that are four times his size. Do you think you would have had a second thought? Was it worth it? The confession, the vocation, the service to God. Was it worth it? 
to go back and say, you know what, um, I will do things a little bit differently. I can, I can hide my Christianity, and I can just say, well, it's politics. We don't talk about that here. I can hide my Christianity and say, well, my kids were instructed, and so I don't need to talk to them about it today because they're all grown up, and they don't want to hear it anyway. Do you think Daniel would have changed his mind and said, you know what, all that work, and all I get is lions. <laughs> Great. The king thought that he had done everything that he could. Daniel did all that he could. Vocation, serving in his community, in his job, in his family. Confession. Not peddling back from what is the truth. And he had a king who stepped in. Not just a king who shut the mouths of the lions, which extended his days for a few more days, for a few more years, so he could, you know, finish drawing out his pension. But a king who did more. A king who looked through the laws of his divine books and said that there needs to be a payment for sin. And a king who said, there is another way, not by changing those laws, but by diving into the den. Do you see how our God encourages confession? He puts you in a place with people, most of whom you probably get along with and at least know by face, if not by name. He puts you in a place with people that you love and specific um, responsibilities of your vocation. And he says, dear Christian, now live as a Christian. Confess the faith. Exact same thing that he did with Martin Luther, that he does and he still does for Christians across time. He says, dear Christian, this is your vocation, this is your confession, and he wants to prepare you for lions. Not necessarily the lion's den, at least not literally, but perhaps the opposition that comes from 60 plus years of a faithful confession. The opposition that comes not because we've gone out looking for it and seeking to stir up trouble, but the opposition that comes because the world hates Christ and all that he commands. <laughs> the opposition that comes because Satan himself in Revelation 13 is described as using the authority of this world to persecute God's church. And so the question, 506 years after 95 theses were posted on a church door... Are we ready for lions? Because that is really the question going forward. It's not a question of trying to figure out how and what to say, but a practical question that says, you know what, your Lord has given you these people in your life. How can you confess Christ to them today? Your Lord has given you neighbors that you care about. How can you confess Christ before them today? Because you realize that nearly every other Christian church and nearly every other person throughout history got it wrong. And they said, you know what, um, maybe God's law is, um, is not that bad, not that serious. Or maybe Christ's forgiveness was only for some of the sins of all people or all of the sins of some people. But in his word, God puts it clearly. All people. All sin, reconciled and justified. 
not based on the action within you or a change within you, but based upon his declaration about you for the sake of Jesus Christ that says, dear Christian, you are different. You've been baptized into this faith. That truth that we declare together and we share together and we sing together is a truth that dribbled off your head in the waters of baptism, is a truth that is proclaimed as you receive your forgiveness by mouth each Sunday. Confession and vocation going hand in hand. God still prepares his believers for lions. You know how the rest of it turned out, that um, the king goes to see him after a sleepless night, the king who thought he could do, had done everything that he could, but there was more that he could have done. And Daniel says, you know what? God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. I wouldn't have been surprised if Daniel had recorded the exact same echo of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even if he hadn't, it was totally worth it to confess Christ at every point in history, whether in Babylon or Jerusalem, whether at the start of looking ahead to university or looking ahead at social security. God prepares his Christians by giving them a place and people. People to whom we confess the faith, people with whom we confess the faith, and God still prepares his church for lions. So go ahead. Consider your vocation, confession, go hand in hand, and join together with Daniel to pray, whether it's at your uh, closet three times a day, whatever the case may be. Lord, keep me ready. Keep me ready to confess you. Amen.